All right, all right. Welcome back to the Davis Fitness Method Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Davis. And with me today, I have Max. Max is our notorious video guy. If you've seen any of our stuff on the internet, it is all because of this man here. And uh, Max is going to help us out with our Q&A so we can kind of get some more perspective and dive a little deeper on certain subjects so that it's not just theory. We can actually dive in and see how things might be a little bit different with some nuance um, and some legitimate context or just general questions. I have general questions. Yeah. Thanks for, yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude, what have you been passionate about lately fitness wise? I know last episode we just wrapped up was hamstrings yeah. before that biceps and yeah. you're going like in depth hard. Yeah. Um, I would say in terms of like, what's interesting to me, it's like less the, I feel like less the general, like, oh, like, how do you get bigger this? How do you get stronger that, um, more stability, like all of these things like I've been doing, um, for a while. And so I think it's kind of the nuance in, in people's issues or, uh, trying to solve more intricate problems. So, um, like if somebody was like, I, I this isn't like super intricate, but like yeah. there's going to be a difference in somebody who's like a rotational sport athlete. And, um, especially if they rotate more to one side, like being like, oh, that person's probably going to be more developed on this side. And we know that they're kind of like likely lack rotation in the other side. So like little things like that, or if somebody's like, they didn't notice an issue until they started walking a bunch more. And so maybe something wouldn't have presented an issue in the gym, but they're like, oh my, like knees have started to bug me in a, a little bit. And we're like taking a look at mm-hmm. some of the things that are um, going on there, whether it's like, it's like, oh, it's always my right knee and starting to see how certain things break down and like getting a more like zoomed in lens on what might be the problems there and, and kind of fixing those versus like, I just want a bigger quad. Cause these, these are very simple problems to solve. It's like you train, the general adaptation is going to be muscles grow in response to training. You can limit the amount of growth, but if somebody wants to grow and they're eating more and we push them hard, they're going to grow. Mm. Even a, guy like me yeah yeah metabolism and all i know you think that you can't possibly eat enough to grow but i know that for a fact once you eat a certain amount and you train hard you'll grow well it's great you told me before that when you got out of high school you were about my weight yeah which is relatively you know athletically skinny you know um and then you just packed everything, which like I would have never like in my mind when I imagined young Steven, it was like maybe kind of husky dude, you know. You know, cause it's funny because like if, if people from high school see me, they're like, "Damn, dude!" Mm. And like it was funny because this coach Theo was like he commented on my last little treadmill video, and he was like, "You've been having vibranium shakes for breakfast." <laughs> I was like, Damn. Yeah. No. So I mean, like out of high school, it was like. I knew I needed to eat more. I knew I knew I needed to train. And so like I just did everything I could in terms of like just adding more food and what I felt was more food. And um at the time it was like lots of like I did mass gainer shakes. I did a regular breakfast. I had like I was really into like the supplements route. So like I bought everything from what was this company it was a uh, BSN. Mm. 
And so they had Synthesix and No Explode. I did their cell mass. I did their, basically all the money I was getting from Babies RS, which is where I was working at the time, hmm. I took and put into like supplements, which thankfully were mostly calories and not just like garbage supplements. I didn't hmm. buy my fair share of garbage su- supplements because I didn't know what I was doing, but hmm. also it's like an experience. <laughs> but, uh, then when I went to personal training school, I was like, man, guys, I like, I'd by this time already put on like 20 pounds from the time that I graduated. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm pursuing my education and becoming a personal trainer before I was just following LL Cool J's platinum workouts. Word. You're right. That was my first workout program. Dope. And, uh, and then by the time I'm in school, I was like, guys, like I can't gain any more weight. I don't know what's going on. And they're like, well, how many calories are you eating? I was like, I don't know, I don't know a lot. It was what everybody says, right? Mm-hmm. A lot. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, well, how many? I was like, I don't know. And they're like, well, we'll find out. And I was like, okay. So I found out. I come back. And now that I've, I've seen this, like, I, I know what they would have said. But I tell them the number. And they're like, well, just do more than that. <laughs> Which is this simple. It's a super simple answer. Yeah. But it was the right answer. Mm-hmm. The moment I started eating more, I went up in weight. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, well, I was like, I was like, guys, that's a lot of food. Like, I, you have like a mental barrier to like more food than if you already feel like you're doing probably, a lot. Yeah, I right? probably do. Yeah, yeah. You already feel like you're doing a lot. Like more is like what? But like more doesn't have to be like that much. It could be like 200 extra calories. Like if right now what you're doing is maintaining your weight, mm-hmm. and you're not going, you're not going any heavier or any lighter, but you're like staying right there. Then all you have to do is like 200 extra calories, and that's going to be enough for you to get the ball rolling. Which is like, you can sprinkle some cheese on a couple meals, and then you've got. Well, yeah, it doesn't have to be cheese. It could be <laughs> if it avocado, avocado oil. Like I don't care. Just add some extra. I fuck with cheese. <laughs> and you just had this cheese look on your face. And you're mm-hmm. like cheese. Eat. It was a look of like, yeah, that is like relatively easy. I guess like, um, do you okay? Do you eat more now or back then? Because to me, I'm I'm like trying to go into like a time management thing. Yeah, like that's kind of what I'm thinking. So when I so I think. I probably did eat more back then than I do now, um, but I was also gaining a lot faster back then, and like probably at a rate that would be inappropriate for a guy my at my training experience, because as you're as you've accumulated more training volume or training age, mm-hmm. um, basically experience experience training training well you amass more muscle tissue, you have a, your body has a threshold or a limit to how much it can actually put on. Right. So let's say the, the ceiling is like a 10, mm-hmm. right. And I've been training for 13 years. So maybe I haven't reached my ceiling. I'm not, maybe let's say that close, but let's say I'm, I'm relatively close. Let's say I'm at a 6.5 out of 10. When I started, I was at a zero to a one, right? The, when you're at that zero to one phase, you get there faster. Really, you can amass more tissue in that phase than you can at a 6.5. So, like, let's say early on first year I put on 15 pounds of muscle, whereas, like, now it's, like, 2 to 3. So, like, if I'm putting on 2 to 3 pounds in a month at the weight I am now, it's, like, we're probably putting on a lot more fat than if I were doing it then. So it's, like the rate of gain doesn't need to be as great now, but um, obviously I'm a lot bigger and I probably would burn more calories than I would then, but I'm just not putting on more tissue than I am now. 
It's like a maintaining, I guess, right? Sort of, yeah. Yeah. And I was expecting you to say uh, it's harder to go from zero to one than from. It is in some ways, if that makes sense. So, like, um, when you first start training, I, I liken it to, like, I've, I've used this analogy before, but it's, like, being able to put tension on something that, like, wiggles is very hard. Like, we've got this wire. Yeah. And uh, if it's, like, trying to get tension on it when it's doing this, it's going to be hard. But if I pin that thing down, then getting tension on that's going to be way easier, right? Versus if it's like, oh, the ends are moving. These ends would be effectively my other joints, right? So, like, getting somebody to be like, okay, hold these things still and train this fiber is going to be hard in the beginning. As you become more well-trained, you get better at holding joints into place and then you can put better tension on muscles so like early on it's harder just because it's hard to get the form right everything is like whoa you're trying to overcome gravity and gravity's stronger than you early and then you get better and then you get better at putting tension on muscles and then you kind of hit your stride but like early 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 hard intermediate early easy but not from like a comfort standpoint, just like ease of being able to put on ten- uh, like tension on muscles. Hmm. Have you always had like a relationship with comfort where it's like, I can do this? Or was it like, a like did, was fitness more like the passion for you? So it was like easy. I had no problem working hard. Like, but I don't ever think I had like questions about it. I wasn't like, I like, Back when I started training, nobody was talking about RAR or anything like reps in reserve. Oh. So like um, reps in reserve would be like how many reps until you can get to failure, mm-hmm. right? So if you had two to three reps in reserve, that means two to three reps before I absolutely can't push it anymore. When I was coming up in training, you took everything to failure. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a question of how many reps in the tank. It was like you found out when the bar was stuck on your chest and you asked somebody to pull it off of you. Mm-hmm. So, like, now to get to that, like, oh, it's two to three reps in reserve. It's, like, you're sparing people's joints. They're feeling a lot better. Like, people can go through training, like, and not be as serious as I was. All I wanted to do was grow. But, like, does somebody need to do that to grow now? No. Was it always true, even back then? Yes, it was still It was still true back then. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't doing it because that wasn't the knowledge at the time. Mm-hmm. It was just, like, train insane or remain the same. <laughs> I like that phrase a lot. <laughs> That's a good phrase. Basically what it was. But like, dude, I felt beat up all the time. There'd be times where I like finished the session. I was like, I can't lift my arms up anymore. My traps are like so locked up. And it's because I wasn't doing things properly either. It wasn't because I was taking things to failure. It was like, but the idea that you're trying to take it so far to failure that you're like going beyond and you're compensating, like you're using muscles that aren't supposed to be involved mm-hmm. in that movement and you're just using anything to get the job done. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, well, my, my lateral delt has been done for a while, and now my traps are going to come into play, and I'm still going to raise these arms, and then I'm going to take those to failure too. And then I'm like, fuck, I can't move my arm. <laughs> like, yeah, at all. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it seems like there's like a, yeah. People can have different points of failure, it yeah, almost seems like. For sure, right? It's like, um, I would say, like, what is the, what is the target, like, um what is the target for the exercise? Like, let's say I'm doing a chest press. Yeah. There's tons of ways for me to get the dumbbell point A, point B, like from my chest in the air, Mm -hmm. right? If to my chest is point A, that's the bottom stretch position. 
and then point B is where I'm finishing it, and it's like this locked out elbow position. There's lots of ways to get there. If I don't like, if I don't have a formalized way of doing that exercise, right? So if it's not like okay, every time we're gonna make sure that on the press, I'm saying I'm staying like slightly depressed. I'm keeping my shoulders down, kind of away from my ears. I'm more scooping into this press. I'm focusing on keeping tension on my pec. Cool. Like if I did every rep that way, then when I fail the thing that's going to happen is my chest goes to failure. Like where I'm not going to push to the point where it's like, oh, my triceps are failing, especially like if my arm is at a certain width every time. But what happens a lot of the times is as people are, are trying to reach failure, they start to adjust the form to get more reps. So they always have to finish the rep instead of failing in the right spot. So let's say they came down to their chest and before they were keeping their hands a little bit wider, as it starts to get more challenging and they're like, okay, well, in order to push this from point A to point B, they're not consciously doing this. Of right? course, of course. But like in order to get this from point A to point B, they use whatever muscle in their brain is like, okay, well, right now we could recruit more from your delt and your tricep if you just pulled your hands in a little bit more and then push the load. So instead of being wider and putting more tension on my pec, pulling that hand a little closer to my chest and then pushing is going to allow me to leverage better leverage my tricep and my delt. And so now I'm taking those along for the ride till failure. And my chest still burns. So I, I, I feel like I'm still using my chest, but it's contributing far less than it was before versus I could have just like killed that thing two reps ago. Yeah, I'm hearing like a lot of like work smarter, not harder in that sort of yeah. be in if you are informed. And then. For sure. And like, And I've had guys that were like, dude, like, I was like, my quads were killing me. Like I, I was, you know, three sets into this exercise. And then once I started doing sets four and start sets five, it's like, and my back started to hurt. I was like, okay, well, what was happening? And it was like, okay, when we're watching them, as they're going through their set, they went from having good position with their pelvis to then like dumping that pelvis a little bit more forward so that they could begin to use the adductor instead of their quad to extend the hip which then put more pressure on their lower back in that position because the load is coming from the top down. And then they're like getting a ton of pressure down in that region of like their SI, which is like their sacroiliac joint, which is where the sacrum meets the ilium, which is effectively your pelvis. So where the side wings of your pelvis meet the back flat part, Mm. there's like a joint, it's called the SI. Mm -hmm. Is that what that back flat part is for? (laughs) The back flat part? (laughs) I mean... Yeah, uh, it's for a number of things. It just like makes things possible for movement, and they, they like if it was if that if that joint was completely rigid and it had no movement, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. Word, yeah. The human body's weird, man. It even just looks like a wing. It, on the when you look at the skeletons, fascinating. It is, yeah. Kind of like a little butterfly. Yeah, like um. But then okay, just to, like I guess wrap up a few threads here. So yeah, like in. In back when you were doing that, you were doing everything to failure, but that included parts of the muscles that weren't necessarily what you were targeting. Yep. Um, the that was just like common standard. Pre- like, did you did you from that place go to a trainer? No. Uh, no. <laughs> wait, did I become a trainer? Or? No, not become a not become a trainer, but did go to a, go I? to a trainer. No. Okay. No. Be- because I wasn't wise enough to do that. Oh, I see. So, I like. Even so, like, even as I've, like, even as I was progressing, like, I'd say pretty early on, 
I'm sorry for anybody who did coach with me back then. Um, probably fucked you up. But now, uh, like even at like, it wasn't until the more recent years where I had somebody like take over my programming because I even thought like as I started, I had to really, really fuck myself up before I actually hired my first coach. Oh, wow. Um, like I went and saw like a PT and I was like, dude, I actually don't think I can, I actually, and this is even after I had collected, I, I had a couple extra certs, but it was like, then I, I started working with this coach, uh, Theo Bowie and he, uh, his approach to training was like slightly modified where everything I was like full ROM, blah, blah, blah. And like, it, I was doing these things and I was like, but they're not optimal. But the thing is, is like, it was giving me an understanding of like approaching it from where I was at instead of how things are supposed to be. And that allowed me to get back to a point where it was like, oh, I am back to training full range of motion and I am doing these other things. But like, that wasn't initially a part of that process. It was just like, okay, we're pulling from blocks now. And da da da. It's like, I felt strong there. I felt good there. And I was like, oh, I'm getting better. And like, I saw my body changing. But that was like, well after I'd been like jacking myself up for a while. What do you mean pulling from blocks? Uh, pulling from blocks is like, so like if I'm doing a deadlift and I had it like, normally people pick a deadlift up from the floor, like the actual floor. So doing it off of blocks would mean you put it on something so that the blocks are oh. off the ground several inches. So you don't have to go down as far to pick it up. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. And then I'm guessing slowly removing them and then. Yeah. I mean, uh, that initially wasn't part of it. It's just like his way of doing things was just kind of like, oh, we're just going to pull from here. It's just a better f- position to pull from. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's not inherently true. That was a better for b- position for me to pull from at that time. Mm-hmm. But um, as I gained more skill in the lifts, mm-hmm. As I got better at controlling my body in certain positions, I was able to move to the floor with no problem. And so how did you decide on that process? Well, not even that process, but that that coach, that trainer, that that person. Well, it seemed that he dealt with people who were suffering from um, different injuries and that he himself had had a back injury. Um, and so I was like, well, he probably knows what I'm going through right now. And like when I was, when I went to like a PT, they like had me do these stupid drills where it's like, oh, well, like here's the thing is like, we didn't know that there was any actual issues with the discs in my back. And um, even though I had like peripheral nerve pain, it wasn't like we knew for sure, like my discs were fucked up or anything. We didn't get any Im- imaging. Hmm. Doctor didn't request any Im- imaging. So it was like, I went to this PT and they're like, lie on your stomach and push your chest up away from the ground. Hmm. So it's like I'm in theory I'm feeding the disc back into my spine. That's the that's the theory. That was b- basically it. That was like the extent of the drills. So I did that, and then I had taken some courses and I started doing some of the like the work that I was doing, where I was like, okay, I did some core stability stuff. I did some you know breath work, like some box breathing. I was doing different things and that helped. But I was like, okay, now from here, how do I train? Because like, dude, I thought I, I thought I was like there's no way if I do this to my back that I'm going to be able to train forever. Cause like even just moving around the gym uh-huh. then sucked. Cause I had ner- nerve pain from my back down to the bottom of my foot. Oh wow. So like if I went to go pick something up, I was like, Oh shit. Mm-hmm. So yeah. 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 I never knew that. Yeah, dude. Um, yeah. Did you see, when was this? 20, 
don't know. It was like twenty fifth before twenty fifteen, I'm guessing. I wanna say it was probably at least like seven years. Okay. Word. Because back then it wasn't like like what we I mean, you know, it was still the internet. Yeah. Whatever. We could still find stuff, but I don't think it's a little more accessible. No, I definitely had I definitely had like access to the squat you and like these big rehabby accounts and there was even there's a guy I actually went to go look him up the other day and he just doesn't post anymore like he was a big account in rehab and like was good at it yeah but just like stopped in 2020 so I don't know what he's doing now but it's like still has a big following but just like doesn't post anymore um really great content like yeah it was good yeah the thing is, is like you don't have context with a lot of the content that comes out. There is so much, there is so much content, and so many creators. Mm-hmm. It's actually hard to keep up with things that are good, mm-hmm. and um, with enough context. Because if unless you're asking them directly, like, "Hey, this situation, this, this, this," like, it's hard to know what's actually going on with you. And like at that point, the level of questioning that you're asking them probably warrants you hiring them as a coach. Like, if it's that granular, instead of you trying to self-fix it, it's like you probably should hire them. Mm. Like, if you know their content's that good and you think that they can solve your problem, then you should probably just hire them. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, like, definitely worth having a conversation, but at the same time, it's like if you really want to, yeah, like, commit to trying to find a solution to pain or whatever's going on in the body, like, yeah, for sure. Like, taking that step and actually actually doing their, like, the program or whatever it is, Um I, you know, I've shown you videos and stuff before where, uh, I'm like, oh word, save for later. Cool little fucking floor exercise. Yeah. And you're like, um, well, you're not really doing much. Just kind of yeah, flopping around like a, you know, you know, fish. Yeah. Well, it, it, the thing is, is like, they'll say they're doing some of these things. Like they're like, oh, like the one that we showed. And I was like, I don't want to put this on the gram. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really want to call them out, but like, yeah, yeah. It was like they put something out and it was like, how about instead of doing this exercise, countless planks, I think it was like some core shit. Mm-hmm. Like you do these exercises and then they do the direct opposite of what a plank would do. So a plank is an anti-extension exercise. Your your job is to keep your rib cage and your pelvis aligned and not allow for greater amounts of like spinal extension. So you don't want your back to like arch or overly flex for that matter. You're just trying to keep it in one position. Mm-hmm. Flexing would be you overcoming gravity, whereas just keeping it neutral is keeping it neutral. So it's like not allowing gravity to have effect on you. So if I'm like, I want my back here versus here or here, it's like I was trying to keep it flat. So instead of up or down, it's just flat. But then they move to exercise where you're lying flat on the ground with your stomach on the floor, which in no way requires you to stabilize your core at all. Mm. And they start doing some like, Superman like arm thingy or they start lifting their back up away from the ground where you're extending the spine it's like dude you're not even working the same muscles also that's a pretty dumb exercise the erectors are the erectors are less for erecting and more maintaining erection no um, they're more for keeping you upright right they're more anti they're more anti flexors than they are extenders so like if I stand and I'm holding like a box in my hands in front of me. The box is trying to pull to the ground. So minus my biceps and my arms is yeah. kind of holding it up. Yeah. Like my, the reason I can stay upright is because 
my spinal erectors and my glutes are the glutes and hamstrings are keeping the hip extended but my spinal erectors which run directly up my spine keep me from bending over mm. right so their job is to make sure i don't get bent over mm. not that i can like fold backwards right they can do that yeah that's not okay, okay. their primary function in the body so it's like if you look to train that there are way better ways to train that than lying on the floor and like cramming your back into itself. It feels, here's the thing, it's like a lot of people do exercise where they like feel the squeeze thing. That's just mainly a sign that you're in the shortened end range. So your muscle has a lengthened, a mid range, and a shortened end range, right? The most squeezed position doesn't mean the thing is working the most. It just means it's in a squeezed position. So like your hamstring right now, because you're sitting in a chair, is in a semi-squeezed position. It's not working more in that position. It's just like, if, but if we could probably get you to feel it really hard in that position versus if I have you stand up and we take some dumbbells and it's not until you get to the fully lengthened position where we stretch the hamstring where you get another signal from the hamstring that's like, hey, we're stretching. So basically at those two ends, yeah, there's like your your hamstrings go, hey, I'm really squeezing now, like I'm at the shortest I can be, or, hey, I'm really stretching now, this is all the length we have to give. Yeah. There's a middle where you're actually strong, where you don't feel a lot of things, but will deliver a larger adaptation to like tissue and strength, because that's where the muscle's strong. But you don't get a whole lot of, oh, I'm fearing it. Um. So that middle part is what you're always kind of trying to train. You want both ends, like you want, all, so you want the whole range. You want all range. of it, but people are obsessed with the squeezy feeling. Like, that's the only one they really care about. Mm. Like, some people are, like, moving on to, like, oh, like, the stretchy feeling. Like, but, like, they don't recognize that's, like, it working still. Like, some people are like, oh, like, I feel a really big stretch. And it's like, okay, you're supposed to. Or, oh, like, I feel a really big squeeze. That feels like that's how it's supposed to feel. Mm. Right? Like, that's the, like, it's it feels intuitive in nature that the thing that I should go for is the thing that feels the most squeezed while exercising. But that's not the only thing that we're trying to get. It's a good thing because it can help us keep the joints centrated. It help us stabilize joints in a shortened end range, which is good. You want to be able to have that ability to do that. But the obsession with it can lead you to just like very shortened, cr- cramped, tight, like jerky motions. Like imagine I do a bicep curl. Yeah. And I just get to that part where my bicep flexes and peaks. And I'm like, that's good. And I like only let it out two inches just so I can keep that yeah, little jerky feeling. Right. And that's how the shake weight was born. <laughs> Is that why super buff guys always look so tight? No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No. Uh, it's like they live in the shortened end range and never leave. Their muscles are just so big that they're always in the short and range. Like, just can't move. Yeah, I don't know. No, um, no uh, that would probably have more to do with, like, general exercise selection. Um, the fact that certain movement, certain movements, like, like as they start to pattern, maybe the things that are a bit more mid-range mm-hmm. get them, like, so, like, if I'm doing a ton of, like, chest press and um i'm doing a bunch of rows for my back like what that does to the rib cage Mm -hmm. um is it it will compress it Mm -hmm. which will basically make it wider 
um, over time, like just that general adaptation, which then makes it so that the movement of the shoulders is kind of thrown off because there's a convexity to the rib cage and to your scapula, which is what your shoulder blade is. The shoulder blade doesn't move around the rib cage as well because it's more like a crushed water bottle, like a, a flattened water bottle. Now your rib cage that was once round appears to have a bit more of corners. Sure. Making it harder for it to then navigate. So you have more of this herky-jerky moment. You're better at moving front to back, less side to side, mm-hmm. and less in rotation. So um, that's probably why they look so awkward and tight is because they've lost a bit of access to that frontal and uh, transverse plane of movement. Yeah. Word. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they still look cool, but they also still look like, you know, yeah, I think that the or I think there's I, I think there's definitely elements where um you can you can develop some of that look and still learn to move well. Um, but that's just not the priority because like the priority is like putting on mass because they want to be bigger. Mm. So instead of being like, Okay, like how do I maintain this function? They're like, I don't care for it that much, even though it might lend itself to the sport because it might aid in posing, it might aid in helping them to skirt uh, injuries, um, those things are kind of overlooked in the pursuit of muscle, 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 uh, muscle. Or mass. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, dude, all the coaches here buff, but not like, um, it looks like they move regular. They move yeah. fluid, you know, yeah. your clients too, even people who've come in here and lost weight or gained muscle, whatever. It's like, I've, I've never, I've seen them bulk up, but I've never seen them stiff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's it's not necessarily a pursuit. It's not something that we're willing to. Like, I think if I were to train a bodybuilder, that would be one of the things that I wanted to make clear is like, we want to give you a long runway as well as like, yeah, I want you to get what you want fast. Mm-hmm. But the thing that you're doing right now, um, even though it feels like you're getting there faster, you're going to hit a, a point where you stall and plateau because like dude with his like anterior pelvic tilt, during his hack squat leading to him feeling back pain. Mm. It's like, cool. We're going to learn to do that the right way instead of just like doing in the absence of quality, mm-hmm. in the absence of moving well, you have quantity, right? Which is, um, Eric talked about that a couple podcasts ago. Mm. He mentions that basically like we know that volume works. The more that you do, the more reps you do, whatever, that works. It will get the job done. But if you don't do it, like when you do it well, you don't have to do as much. So in that case, it's like, hey, it's going to feel like you're doing a little bit less. You're still going to feel like you're working hard. You're going to feel like you're doing a bit less because it's going to take less to get the tension to the area that we want it versus you just trying to blast everything like I did early in my career. Mm-hmm. Right? And then it's like, dude, if I didn't have to take however much time off because of my back injury, then how much further would I have been versus trying to chase, get back to where I was and then start making progress again. Was that just like stubborn young man energy, like force force ahead? Yeah, dude, that was the worst. Yeah, like Dunning-Kruger effect and and all. Dunning-Kruger is like where you learn something, you think you know everything, it's like what you actually know. It's It's like what you actually know is low and what we're... Um, what you think you know is high and then there's a timeline which is over time you begin to realize that oh I actually don't know that much so like 
the bottom the bottom of the graph is like what you actually what you actually know what you think you know and then it's like over time as you go this way what you actually know goes up but um wait where you're where you think you know is lower mm -hmm. because the more you know the more you actually realize you don't know whereas when you know next to nothing you think you know everything mm. yeah that's where i was early but it happens to like a lot of young coaches mm. did you know you wanted to be a coach early yeah like at that time and well yeah and that's why like okay, i'm listening I'm... so like when i when i first when i when I was in high school, I knew I didn't know anything about coaching, mm. right? So it, on that little graph, it'd be like what you know and what you think you know, they'd both be low. But as soon as I learned something, like I went to school, then I was like, oh, you can't tell me shit because I know everything. Oh, okay. And so what I thought I knew and what I actually knew, so like what I thought I knew was very high and what I actually knew was actually low. And then over time, you begin to realize like, oh, I didn't know shit. And what I actually think I know now is like way less. I happen to know a fair amount of things, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, but then like that combined with the, just the youthfulness and stuff, yeah, just yeah, dude. There was times I think I think back to like dudes that were in the gym that I don't know if they were like trying to mentor me, if they were just trying to give me like some you know not good advice or whatever. But like, yeah, I was just like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. So I was like, I don't care what you have to say. Mm -hmm. I did try out some things that like a, a big guy would tell me every now and then. And I was like, damn, this burns. Maybe it's working. But I was like, but it's not heavy, so it doesn't count. So like mm -hmm. then I would like totally discard everything that that guy was like a pro bodybuilder, mm -hmm. pro natural bodybuilder, and I was just like, I don't know what you're talking about. So way further he was way further ahead in that uh category than I was. Yeah. But I thought I knew everything. So it's like and now I'm I kinda wish I would run into that guy now. Because I would, I'd be much more receptive to everything that that guy had to say, mm -hmm. whereas I wouldn't have been at that time. But do you think you could have, like, if you ran into younger version of you, could you I convince think. younger version of you to listen to older version? Of you? I think I have the skill set to make that person listen. I feel like communication style or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that, um, I think that that guy would have liked he there was definitely some insecurities there and we'll going into a psych session on myself here but you don't need, yeah yeah i definitely think that there are ways that i could have communicated with him back then that would have been like i'm careful enough in my approach that i wouldn't have been like dude you know what the fuck you're doing because if i would have done that mm -hmm. then it would have been like shut off this guy's like threat whatever mm -hmm. get as far away from this guy as possible mm -hmm. even albeit subconscious it's like if somebody would have dealt with me with care and been like, dude, you're doing a really great job. Like, have you considered da da da? Like, that probably would have worked with me. Yeah. Cause I have to imagine, I'm mean, not that you'll run into your younger self, but just seeing stuff in the clients that you work with for sure, you know? Yeah. And then, yeah. I mean, but anything I've ever witnessed has always just been like a lot of humor, a lot of lightheartedness, even yeah. with the like, okay, no, you actually got to make it touch your chest yeah. for it to count or whatever. Yeah. There's definitely like there's still a way that we're trying to do things, but it's like I'm not like you know chastising somebody for not doing it, or like I'm like hey like or like there'll be a couple of times where it's like let's say somebody's not doing the thing that I want them to do the way that I would 
want them to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I want to make it clear, like, hey, like, I'm on your team here, which is we're here working together, not because I'm here telling you what to do, but because I want to see you win. It's the only reason I say anything to you in this gym is because I want to see you win. And it's like, it's really important. Like some people will just kind of be like, I just need to get it up. Like they're, they have this internal dialogue or I need to move point A to point B. I need to beat how many reps I did last time. And that's when I work to have discussion where it's like, Hey, like I know what you think is important here. And I want to point out what's actually important. Mm. And it's this, right? Like in order for us to really get what you want, like I know what you think you're doing is going to get what we want. But if we focus here instead, we'll actually get what we want. So are you more interested in doing the thing that you think gets what you want or you want to do the thing that actually gets you what you want? Mm. Yeah. And I'm like, obviously, like, most people would be like, well, duh, I want to do the thing that actually gives me what I want. Cool. It's going to suck. But slow down. You know, keep the tension in here. Like, do it this way. Keep the focus here. Oh, that's hard. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. It seems like there's a lot of humility in that. Or, yeah, I mean, times that I've lifted weights and then had periods in my life where I did it and then went back to it, um, I remember being, like, feeling very humbled, like, leaving the gym just because it's, like, in my mind, oh, I do this and I do that. But it was yeah. only from the time up to that point that I'd spent actually going to the gym. Right. And then long period off, oh, I can't do what I did before. Yeah. But it's almost like this, like... Uh, like a devastating ego crush or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I think that there kind of has to be like a, like a, it's literally just like a, uh, a process oriented way of thinking, not like outcomes. Like I know like, yeah, ultimately we're paying attention to like how many reps and how much weight and how much time we're doing this and blah, blah, blah. blah. But if you can get more obsessed with, like if you're going to measure your progress in the gym, it should be on like, how well am I executing this? How consistent is my execution? Like it's more like the honing of a craft than it is a beating of the score, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Because t- mm-hmm. technically, if you if we were going to break it down, it'd be like you're not really beating the score because you're playing a totally different fucking game every time you play. Hmm. Right? Like you went in one time and you're playing football and the next time you're playing fucking pool. Sure. Like it's not even the same exercise. Like you, the way you executed it one time versus the way you executed it the next time. Sure, you might have got more reps, but you didn't even do it the same. Yeah. So it's like, how are we keeping score that way? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it. it with many things in life, being results oriented, I think is like a beneficial thing, but it yeah. can also be very like tunnel vision. Yeah. You know, kind of have to like uh, like. It's interesting, right? Because you kind of have to, but yeah, it's like to focus on the progress is actually, um, it's like being present to the moment or something. Yeah. You know, it, it, it is hard to, it is hard to discern. I'm actually making progress on something where it's like, I'm so deliberate on the actual process. But like, the thing is like enough time spent in that. And yeah, the numbers will move. They're going to move. Like the reps will go up. Your weights will go up doing it the right way. But it's just like you don't get that as fast as you wanted. And that's that's when it's like, okay, in the macro, we're still moving very fast. I like that. I like that. But in the micro, it feels very slow. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, because that's like a real just uh, expectation and perspective thing. Right. You know? Yeah. If, you, yeah. if we zoomed out and we were able to fast forward, you'd be like, oh, shit, I'm doing that now? Yeah. Versus like you always like, let's say you moved up 
four reps every time and every time you moved up four reps you're like oh my shoulder oh my elbow back down and then back up and then back down it's like in the macro you're not moving fucking anywhere but if we like if we do it the right way in the macro we move somewhere right. even though you're moving a fucking lot but it's just back and forth into one little spot right right versus we're trying to get you to point like b which is ultimately your goal yeah right in order to move here it goes slow but it goes there versus being like here back and forth yeah jittery in the same spot yeah kind of thing yeah it's movement but it's not progress yeah yeah you want progress not just a like activity you want actual movement in a linear direction that, and that's kind of why i was like asking you those questions earlier about picking the coach and kind of like what you know what i mean because it's like that i think somebody who knows what they're doing that's why you that's why you go to the coach I, I liken like actual progress feeling like this you have a bow right and if i want to shoot a target mm. at first the bow moves back because i'm drawing it back sure but mm. once i let it go i hit the target right so at first it feels like you're taking steps back when in actuality you're building the skills to then launch yourself further mm -hmm. i like that a lot too yeah that was like um saw a facebook post like that once yeah. It was just like a picture of a bow and arrow. That old school. It's been a while since I was on Facebook. <laughs> I like it. It's good. Yeah, dude. Um Yeah, man. I um I had a bunch of questions actually, but we just kinda like just went did it off the everywhere, off everywhere the top way. of my head. Yeah. Probably got time for maybe one more. Okay. And we'll wrap this thing up. Let's do it. Okay. So Yeah. All right then. Well, with everything we talked about um how do you make it realistic in what sense in the um in the habitual like i'm gonna commit to this yeah put whatever time and goal into it around if it, whether it's losing weight or gaining weight what yeah. have you i guess what things would make it unrealistic um to me when i talk to people and i see people who like really should like do some sort of exercise, even if it's not like weightlifting, some sort of exercise. It's a lot of like, I guess you could break it down to just being kind of unfocused or sort of having, um, it's like a mental barrier almost. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I think it's like a acquisition, like of, of certain skills. And so, um, I, I mean, my wife probably would hate that I use her as an example, but early on, like she did not have healthy habits. She wasn't like super out of shape but she wasn't in the shape she wanted to be in um lots of questions that were like super like low level like what is protein what is like no sense of all that and like she'd tried diets before and it was just like eating salad and she lose weight for a couple of days and then it feels like you're dying and then you go back to eating food yeah like that sort of thing so what it was then was it was like all right like do what you're doing just start moving right like we do some form of training or exercise get grip on that and then once she felt really confident in just doing that more it wasn't that she was exercising perfectly it wasn't like she's like well she was just in the habit of exercising more often right boom i feel like i've got a hold on this so much so that i could add something on top great why don't we try to get more protein in your meals cool start with just breakfast starts doing that okay well how do i get more more, more protein at lunch let's throw in some suggestions there does that for a little bit well, how can I get more protein at dinner? Because now it's just like she's just inquiring because she knows that it's important and she knows that she wasn't doing it at this meal. What are some ideas? Boom, we'd start doing that. 
And then it's like, okay, well, like now she's doing this and that. Then she's like, oh, okay, well, like calories. Like we're paying more attention to that. And so it was like just building on little things incrementally over, over time instead of focusing on, dude, if you want to be like me, you got to do all fucking 52 things I do. Yeah. Yeah. No. Because that's way too overwhelming, especially if we looked at where they're at. Yeah. Right. So here's what makes it realistic taking a real sense, really inventorying the skills that this person has now, and then building on those from the next step. Not the most difficult step next, but just what is the next step that's in front of them? Okay. So if I already got somebody who's like great at lifting, they eat well, but like sleep shit, then okay, the next step for them is focusing on that. And like, what's the first little step or small adjustment that they can make in like, I'm not going to be like, oh, you need to buy a whole new AC unit and you need to get an eight, you need to get an eight sleep bed or whatever. Like we're just like, maybe start with a fan by your bed. <laughs> get a $30 <laughs> fan. See if that helps. Great. It did. Great. Then it's like, you, you can move from there. Or like, oh, maybe take a little bit more magnesium before you go to sleep. Magnesium's cheap. Take that for a bed. Great. Cool. Sleeping better. Awesome. Better progress? Awesome. Let's go with that instead of being like yeah. making this whole process overly complicated. Sounds like baby stepping it and being honest about yeah. the outcomes. And curiosity. It sounds like your wife got really curious. And, yep. You know. I think that I think that once you start to see like once you start to rack up a few wins or start to see that you have success with something, you do become naturally curious because we want to progress. Mm. Like humans want to progress. Like a self-esteem thing. Yeah. yeah. It's like not only seeing that we can do it and continue to do it, but like we want to just keep moving forward. Awesome. Well, I know you got to go. Yeah, this is fun. We'll do it again next week. And uh, we'll have some more questions. Yeah. Hope I, yeah. Hope it wasn't Good. too, no, it you know. Great. Do, do, do. <laughs> Hopefully this is helpful for you, the listener. Uh, but obviously we'll catch you on the next one. And uh if you did like this podcast, be sure to share it, like, subscribe, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one.